Howdy, y'all. I'm Justin. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Cowboys Like Us, the podcast where we talk about Taylor Swift and her music. Yeehaw. Hello. Welcome back once again to Cowboys Like Us, the only podcast sponsored by Quiznos. Quiznos, we still exist. I looked it up, and that was a true fact. The nearest Quiznos, if you were wondering, is in Huntsville. There is one in Huntsville. I gotta come up with a reason to go, because Quiznos, well, if they still have salads, because Quiznos used to have a chopped Caesar, chicken Caesar salad. I have craved that salad so many times in my pregnancy, it's not even funny. Yeah, there was a time when Quiznos was right up there alongside Subway, competing, scrapping for the sub market. And then Subway won. Even though Quiznos has, to our knowledge, never diddled any kids. That's true. To our knowledge, at the time of this recording. Those Quiznos rats or whatever they were from the commercials. Yeah, sponge monkeys, I think they were called. Whatever they were, they were nightmare fuel. Yeah, Quiznos subs! (laughs) Yeah, it was a great commercial. Today, we are talking not about the Quiznos sub song, but about I Know Places. (laughs) From 1989. We could easily dedicate an entire episode to talk about Quiznos and their theme song, though. We certainly could. (laughs) Perhaps a bonus episode one day. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Yes. But first, we have some poll results. The people have spoken. Not as many people as we'd like. We'd like to hear your voice when we put polls up. We want you to vote in them. But those of you who did vote decided the question deserves... An eight. I feel okay with that. I think so. I think so. Good job, <laughs> democracy. You did it. <laughs> Do you have any pod business you want to chat about? I don't think so. Okay. Well, with that said, then, let's just jump right in. Two news. Uh... News from around the Taylorverse. Oh, boy. We heard from our best friends... The anonymous sources in the bushes. They're whispering their secrets again. I can't. So, gonna want to take this with a large grain of salt because we don't know who these sources are or how true their information is. We don't know. But they are concerned about Tavis and the health of the relationship, according to Yahoo. According to the article, Travis and Taylor got into their first fight on Christmas. After the Chiefs' loss against the Raiders, quote, The game pretty much ruined Taylor and Travis's holidays. Travis wasn't himself for days after. He snapped at Taylor. They had their first fight. He apologized after. But Taylor definitely felt hurt and confused. It was rough. They also claim that Taylor was so bummed by the fight that she almost cut her visit short. Quote, The idea of Travis losing again and having it ruin their New Year's was so stressful. Oh my god, I so don't trust Yahoo. It's not even funny. (laughs) Another thing that's stressing them out, according to the source, is the constant travel that they've been doing. Quote, it's starting to take a toll on her. She's the one bending over backward and people are urging her to start focusing on herself more. Over the holiday, all Travis wanted to do was focus on football. A teary-eyed Taylor had to take a back seat, which was really tough. 
When it comes down to it, the game is still his number one priority. And that became crystal clear for Taylor. Things get heated between them at times over scheduling because they're both so incredibly busy and they're both so dedicated to their careers. As much as Taylor can be a fool for love, she never lets her work suffer. Assuming this is not all entirely made up for clicks, which I think it probably is. Could well be. But let's talk about it like it's not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She is on break right now from her job for the most part. Right. Now, being her is her job. You can't really take a break from that. Much like being Travis is Travis's job and you can't really take away from that either. Take time away from that. But Travis's day job is football. Right. And football is still in its peak right now. It's so not over yet. Start tomorrow. Exactly. Taylor is on break. It makes sense. She's the one doing the traveling. He's working. He's practicing. He's getting ready for playoffs and hoping to go to the Super Bowl. That's it. Taylor is doing whatever Taylor wants to do. And if that's travel to see Travis, then it's travel to see Travis. Also, one of them has a private jet and the other one does not. It's true. So one of them, it's a lot easier for her to fly wherever he is and see him than it is for the other one. Also, presumably the reason Taylor would be flying back and forth from Kansas City to New York right now is because she's been in the studio, an electric lady, doing something. Presumably recording or editing or mixing, producing. Who's to say? But I feel pretty confident there are recording studios in Kansas City. How... Good they are, can't say. She yeah. can fly the whole crew out, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, during the pandemic, she recorded from her house. Right, so... She could set up a little recording studio in Travis's house. I'm sure he's got room for it. Yeah. Sure, he wouldn't care. I, he probably already has one, so he can make his terrible rap things that no one will put out. <laughs> On advice of counsel, he has not released it to this day. The other thing is, like, maybe she misses her cats. That bitch takes her cats with her everywhere. I'm you can't say, tell me they're not coming to Kansas City with her. Cats can come to KC. Who cares? They travel everywhere all the time. That's right. They're mobile. They, they're they in Kansas City at Travis's house when she's there. I guarantee it. But that's not all. According to the source, an additional problem is that Jason and Kylie Kelsey may not be down. And this is how I know it's bullshit because Kylie has already talked about this. But anyway, go on. Quote, Taylor hasn't had the best reception from Jason and his wife. False. During a late 2023 interview, Kylie Kelsey said being in the spotlight is not particularly my cup of tea. Taylor took that personally, and since then it's been very awkward. The source says Taylor's friends think Jason and Kylie are jealous of Taylor and how much attention she and the six foot five athlete are receiving. I presume Jason's also tall, but whatever. Taylor understands that it can be exhausting, but she can't help that everything she does becomes front page news. Okay, that's true. Taylor can't help that. That's correct. No one is blaming her. <laughs> the not particularly particularly my cup of tea quote came from an interview where she was talking about all of it. And it all started around the same time. So, like, Jason being named one of the sexiest men alive by people or whatever. Tavis taking off. Like, there was a lot of shit happening at one time. And Kylie was like, I don't like to be in the front of all that. And she still hasn't been. Right. People have tried to force her to the front. She's like, that's not my vibe. 
I don't want to be in the pictures and in the middle of it and all of that jazz. She also talked about how at the game Taylor didn't even end up going to, the family reunion game, the Eagles-Chiefs game, she didn't expect to be in the box with, like, the rest of the family because she prefers to sit in the crowd with this, like, in the stands with the fans. With she the she enjoys that experience as an Eagles fan for her entire life. So, she addressed this on her TikTok, specifically. Like, took a screenshot of the article where people started talking about how she was saying that Taylor wasn't particularly her cup of tea or whatever. Right. And her lifestyle. And she was like, literally not what I said. Not what I said one bit. You're taking my words out of context. Not what I said. Which is how I know this is bullshit. Well, there you go then. Maybe Yahoo should check their sources better. Yeah, they should. On to our next story. Europe has called for Taylor's aid. European Commission Vice President Margaritas Keenis, Sheenis, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, had a press conference this week. In it, she called upon Taylor Swift to help motivate the youth of Europe Get out and vote. She says the youth vote is crucial to democracy and, quote, no one can mobilize youth better than young people. It's young people who can mobilize young people to participate more than commissioners. I very much hope that someone from her media team follows this press conference and relays our request to her. If they have, Taylor has not said anything about it. Yeah. I mean, she's an international superstar. So if she's going to be vocal about the need to vote in her country. I feel like she can do it in other countries, too. I guess. I don't know. It, it kind of teeters on a weird line, because it's not probably not something she's super versed in, you know? Well, yeah, probably. According to Spotify, we have had listeners in Europe. So, to those of you... <laughs> Here's us telling you. Yeah. Go out and vote, man. Make your voice be heard. Yeah. Whichever way you want to, just vote. That's it. That's how democracy works. You gotta vote. Yeah. It, it doesn't work if you don't vote. Speaking of enemies of democracy, Fox News is at it again. Ugh. Fox News host Jesse Waters claimed that Taylor Swift is a psyop for the Pentagon. She's uh, going to be out here influencing the youth to vote for the Democrats, and Jesse Waters will not abide it. <laughs> Pentagon spokeswoman... Sabrina Singh has responded, quote, as for this conspiracy theory, we are going to shake it off. But that does highlight that we still need Congress to approve our supplemental budget request as swiftly as possible so we can be out of the woods with potential fiscal concerns. Wink, wink. Yep, they're having fun. Yep, it's fun to think that Taylor might be a government tool. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But... Yeah. She's an agent of the deep state, according to Fox News. So Yeah, I don't think, I think she has expressed that she doesn't agree enough with our government to work for them. Who can blame her? <laughs> Who can blame her? Yeah. The Golden Globes happened. <laughs> they happened. Taylor attended the ceremony in L.A., as most Swifties expected. She did not win the award she was nominated for, losing out to the Barbie movie. But, at one point... Host Joe Coy made a joke at Taylor's expense. Quote, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL. At the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. Seemingly, Taylor was not amused. She stared ahead, stone-faced, and took a sip of her beverage. Afterward, 
Joe was asked about Taylor's reaction, and he said, Aw, man, it was cute. I was just saying it was cute. I was just saying it's less cutaways, that's all. That was his immediate sort of post-show reaction. The next morning, he was asked again about any jokes that he regretted, and he clearly put a little more thought into it this time, and said, quote, I think it was when the Taylor Swift one was just a little flat. It was a weird joke, I guess, but it was more on the NFL. I was trying to make fun of the NFL using cutaways and how the Globes didn't have to do that. So it was more of a jab toward the NFL, but it just didn't come out that way. Yeah, the problem is, is that by the next morning, everyone on the internet had told him that was a bad joke. And your joke that was supposed to be about the NFL didn't come off as a joke about the NFL. It came off as derogatory towards Taylor. Indeed. So if you have to have your joke explained to you, maybe it's not a good joke. And also it's baffling the number of people that it had to go through before it made it to the stage and it still made it there. Well, one person who felt that Taylor should have laughed or smiled or been polite was Sarah Haynes of The View, who said, quote... What bothered me more in watching this is get a sense of humor because we need to protect these national treasures called our comedians because life needs them. We need to stop binding them in, fencing them in. In that room, Joe Coy is punching up. No one feels sorry. Just smile, says Sarah. I feel like that's, that feels like the most misogynistic thing I've heard in a long time. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing that people lose sight of. Women can be way more misogynistic than dudes can and have been at times throughout the ages. And this is a great example. You know, just smile and be polite, you know, like women are supposed to be. I was going to say having a woman say just smile Mm -hmm. is somehow worse than having a man say, why don't you just smile? Yeah. She sells women out so that the male thinks she's cool. But we don't think you're cool, Sarah. We think you're lame. Oh, I just, I kind of want to punch her. Anyway. ESPN's Stephen A. Smith, who isn't very rarely right about anything, (laughs) was right this week when he defended Taylor. Yeah. Saying, quote, I have to take a moment to come to to the defense of Taylor Swift. Everybody's sitting up there and acting like she's some kind of impediment. She did her job. That Eras tour off the chain generated billions. Show up at a football game to support her dude and the cameras are on her. That ain't her fault. Those kids were going to her concerts whether the NFL was promoting her or not. Taylor Swift is their girl. Let's show some respect. Preach. Yep. I also saw something. It was probably a TikTok or maybe somebody said it in an interview. I don't remember. But these are not my words. I'm not trying to take credit. But someone said, everybody keeps blaming Taylor for being a distraction to Travis and the team. But nobody is claiming that Travis is distracting Taylor from her billion-dollar tour. Yeah, we talked about that okay. on the episode last week. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard it again since, but yeah. It yeah. just... It was like, another ESPN host. I don't remember Okay, yeah, that's what it was then. Because I was like, I felt like it was in conjunction with this that I saw it, so... That makes sense, but uh, just to reiterate, how is this on her just because she has a vagina? You know what I mean? As far as we know. She's out here using her (laughs) womanly wiles to make Travis play bad at football. Why would she want to? Wouldn't she want him to play good? Yeah. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. Don't you see how upset she gets when they're losing? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. People just like to blame women for things. People are misogynist. Right. That's why I said, why is this her fault? 
Yep. Just because, as far as we know, she has a vagina. And it's bad. You heard it here first. On a more positive note, at the Golden Globes, Emma Stone won an award, which elicited a standing ovation from Taylor. Emma was asked about it and said, What an a-hole, am I right? (laughs) I've known her for almost 20 years, so I'm very happy she was there. She was also nominated tonight, so I'm very happy she was there, but what an a-hole. It was all tongue-in-cheek, and it was very funny. Yep. And it's... The only appropriate joke to make about Taylor. <laughs> Speaking of Taylor's friends, Selena Gomez was there too. At one point, she leaned over and said something to Taylor that elicited a shocked, open mouth gasp reaction from Taylor. An amateur sleuth attempted to do some lip reading and decided that what Selena said was that she had tried to get a pick with Timothy Chalamet, but Kylie Jenner told her no. An inside source close to Selena said, quote, Selena was absolutely not referencing anything about Timothy or Kylie. She never even saw or spoke to them. Selena herself has since posted on social media immediately before quitting social media again <laughs> for like the fifth time. Yeah. That she was telling Taylor about two of her friends who recently hooked up. Yeah, I don't know. People fancy themselves lip readers. I don't know what she said, but I think... It is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> the amount of attention her sharing a little bit of gossip with her friends has created. Yep. So I understand why she's taking a break from social media this time. The People's Choice Awards are coming up. Mm-hmm. And the nominees have been released. Taylor got five nominations for Concert Tour of the Year, Movie of the Year, Social Celebrity of the Year, Female Artist of the Year, and Pop Artist of the Year. Mr. Travis Kelsey is also nominated for an award, Athlete of the Year, his first ever People's Choice Award nomination. Wonder what caused it. Simu Liu, set to host, I don't know if that's how you say his name. Liu. Liu. I don't know. Set to host the PCA said there will be no Taylor Slander at the 2024 PCAs. That's a personal guarantee. And that's why we stan him. Yes. Ken. <laughs> That's why we love a Ken. Indeed. Also, who's the Marvel character he plays? I can't think of his name. Uh, Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, it's, the, it's not Doctor Strange, but he was in... Oh, it was a pretty good movie. Yeah. There was the little puffball thing. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a face. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Cool, though. Eris Tour movie has surpassed Michael Jackson's This Is It in earnings. If you recall from when the movie was back in theaters, we were talking about it a lot. There was some debate over whether or not This Is It should even count as a concert film or not because it's more about the preparation for the concert that never ended up happening because Michael passed. So it was kind of a does it or doesn't it situation. But it's a moot point now. Doesn't matter. Because Eras has now made $261.6 million compared to 261.2 million for This Is It. So, whether you count it or not, Taylor is number one. The success of the movie had some people talking about it as if it were a revolutionary idea that would change cinema forever. Is this the future of movie going? Some people said. Just concerts? I mean, live (laughs) entertainment without a studio's involvement? Something like that, yeah. I just... This has been happening for a while. Might I refer you back to the cinematic masterpiece, Jonas Brothers, the 3D concert experience. 
Hannah Montana, Miley Cyrus, Best of Both Worlds concert tour. Well, let's said about any of that, the better. So. <laughs> um, but anyway, these articles were a bit premature, it seems, because Beyonce's Renaissance movie, despite universal acclaim from both critics and audiences who have seen it, everybody says it's great, we have not seen it, has only grossed $44 million thus far, way less than it deserves. I want to make it very clear that I'm not mentioning Beyonce's movie to say, haha, Taylor won. That's not what I'm about. They're both super talented and both films are great, but it looks like Taylor may have just caught lightning in a bottle and, uh, you know, hit it at the right time, man. Mm-hmm. It may not be repeatable, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's just sort of timing. Yeah. I think Taylor's tour started before Beyonce's and it just kind of took off and Beyonce's kind of fell to the shadows a little bit. Yeah, it was so released. The same thing happened with the movie. Yeah. In December, and you know, Christmas time is, is a big time for movies. Yeah. They release a lot of, of movies. Some that are Christmas films, which of course get play, children's films for parents and families to see, and then, you know, big blockbusters come out on Christmas too. So instead of everybody ducking her like they did with Taylor, you know, they're going to put it out because it's, it's their peak season or whatever. Yeah. More competition. More competition, yes. I also, and it really could come down to the algorithm of it all, but I feel like I saw very limited talk and promotion about Beyonce's tour and movie outside of, like, the premiere. I think that's true, too. I think that's true, too. It did seem like there was less promotion. Again, nothing bad about that. I just feel like maybe it could have been, maybe Taylor's team did something right in their attack of it that made it sore and Beyonce's just kind of fell again to the back for some reason. Who's to say? Speaking of just hot messes, mm-hmm. we need to talk about the New York Times op-ed about Gaylorism again <laughs> because the plot has continuously thickened all week long. For better or for worse. And it's worse. So, <laughs> according to CNN... Taylor's camp is dismayed by the original article. They said, quote, because of her massive success in this moment, there is a Taylor-shaped hole in people's ethics. This article would not have been allowed to be written about Shawn Mendes or any male artist whose sexuality has been questioned by fans. There seems to be no boundary some journalists won't cross when writing about Taylor, regardless of how invasive untrue and inappropriate it is, all under the protective veil of an opinion piece. Strong words. Perhaps disproportionately so, some would say. I mean, this entire... This whole thing has gotten so out of hand. (laughs) I'm really just kind of tired of hearing about it altogether. Yeah, honestly, well, we'll get into it more, but I think if you don't find someone speculating you might be gay insulting because you don't think... You know, being gay is a bad thing, right? Which I don't think being gay is bad. So if someone was like, maybe Justin's gay, I'd be like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Maybe I am. You don't maybe know. I am. Yeah. Get out of my business. No, your business. Yeah. But what if I was? Right. Yep. The fact that Taylor has not done that or come out and just been like, guys, look, I'm straight. I'm a heterosexual woman. I'm sorry if I misled you. If you feel you have been misled. It was not my intention, etc. You know, yeah. in a much better way 
Well, she has a PR team. <laughs> uh, so she has a PR team. Yeah. Anyway, Shelley Wright, a country singer who came out as a lesbian back in 2010, was mentioned in the New York Times article, the very opening paragraph, in fact. The author used her near suicide as a comment on the country music scene and the homophobia that persists there. Shelley weighed in on the article via X this week saying, quote, I was mentioned in the post, so I'll weigh in. I think it was awful of New York Times to publish, triggering for me to read, not because the writer mentioned my nearly ending my life, but seeing a public person's sexuality being discussed is upsetting. And... We heard from someone who would know about that, Perez Hilton. <laughs> Famously, back in the day, used to out celebrities in the past, but he regrets it now. He's a changed man, you know. He's not a piece of shit anymore. He used to be. Glass house, white Ferrari, lived for New Year's Eve. He lost weight, so now he's not a piece of shit. And he said this week, as a big Taylor Swift fan, her whole work, her whole career has been about honesty, transparency. Not only is this incredibly speculative, but it's disrespectful because you're saying she's a liar. I think if she were even the smallest bit queer, that she would be open about it if she wanted to. And you know what? She doesn't have to. That's the key. She doesn't have to. She does not have to. Does not have to. No matter what you think she should do, if you think that she's not doing it correctly, aka living her life, it doesn't matter what you think. The end is that she doesn't have to. She owes no one nothing, no explanation. Well, Pride.com has a take on it. It said, quote, Queer readings of art and queer flagging have long been a part of queer culture. They are valid and immeasurably important in a society that still is not accepting, not as accepting as it could be. Demanding straight until proven otherwise is an attempt to diminish that and force people out before they are ready. And that is one of the points that is being completely lost on the people who are failing to look at the bigger picture laid out so thoughtfully right in front of them. So it is their belief that how dare you think I might not be straight when I've never said I am is enforcing heteronormativity, which it is hard to argue that it isn't, in my opinion. I agree with you absolutely that Taylor does not have to tell anyone what her sexual orientation is or isn't. It's no one's business. But I don't think it's then fair if you don't say what it is, to then come out and just bash people who who wonder. You know what I mean? Sure. Yes. If you're not going to take a stance and say publicly if you're queer or if you're not, mm -hmm. people are going to speculate. And I don't think that speculation should be the worst thing in the world, but it shouldn't... The speculation shouldn't go so far as to cause interference in her life in any way, shape, or form. Right. Is my thing, I think. She doesn't owe you anything, but you also don't get to attack her with your your speculation. I think, yeah, I mean, you don't get to attack her. Yeah. That's where I think the, like, the gray area is, is that people think, oh, well, she's not going to tell me, so I get to speculate so hard that these theories take off and end up ruining friendships and relationships and stuff for her because people don't want to be associated with her because either she is in a gay relationship and she's not ready to come out or doesn't want to come out or whatever and they're like well i don't want to be in this kind of relationship or 
they're like, they think you're gay and I'm not gay and I'm not comfortable with that and like whatever. So I, I, in other fandoms that I am in, I am in, I was in all of the above. I've seen it literally ruin potential relationships and what were definitely friendships, close friendships for other people. So I would assume it's probably ruined a few for her as well at this point. Well, there you go. Them, aside by and for, the LGBTQ plus community, has declared that gaylorism, as previously understood, is over. They say that you can and you should continue to analyze art through a queer lens if you want, but you shouldn't use that to speculate about the artist, death of the author, all of that. We have talked about that on this show before. You do not have to subscribe intent to the artist just because you see something in the art. That's coming from you. It may or may not have come from them. It could be just entirely from you. And that's fine. Yes. If you find meaning in it, that's all that matters. My Agreed. My favorite band, Fall Out Boy, the lyricist Mr. Peter Wentz, he has never publicly discussed what any of his lyrics mean because that's what he says, you know. It doesn't matter what they mean to me. It matters what it means to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So... That's what, yep. that's what it's about. That's what it's about. And I like to believe that a lot of Gaylers are on that side of the line of she writes these songs and they speak to me and my experience. So I feel like maybe we share something there, but then there are just those that teeter on the fence and on the other side that are just too wild. Yes. There are extremists of every sort. Any sort of broad community is going to have... The lunatic fringe. That's the nature of, of communities. Yeah. Um, but I think we'll leave it there. Do you have any other news you want to chat about? I don't believe so. Cool. Let's go to Chartwatch on the Billboard Artist 100. Taylor stayed put at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. Cruel Summer rose 17 spots to number two. Is it over now? Rose 36 spots to number 13. You're Losing Me up 21 to number 61. And now that we don't talk, re-entered the chart and is at 87. We talked about it. The after Christmas reset was coming. It took a week longer than I thought, but it is here now. Yeah. So, fun stuff. On the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart, 1989 TV stayed put at number one. Midnight's rose four spots to number five. Lover rose five to number six. Folklore rose 11 to number 10. Evermore rose 10 to number 16. Speak Now TV is up 5 to number 17. Reputation rose 25 spots to number 19. Red TV up 19 to 22. Fearless TV up 8 to 39. And 1989 Stolen up 31 spots to number 59. Why is it coming back up? <laughs> I think it's the reset. I think it, uh, oh. I think it just affected the whole... Yeah. Everything. I think it'll go down again this week. But we'll see. We'll see. All right. All right. Kimberly's not taking us to the corner today, so... Well, we got other fun bonus stuff and a lot of news that we talked about. We sure did. So let's move on to the song of the week. I Know Places was originally released on 1989 in 2014. It was written by Taylor Swift and a gentleman named Ryan Tedder. It was produced... By Taylor Swift, Ryan Tedder, and Noel Zancanella. Ryan Tedder 
if you don't know. <laughs> and I feel like some people don't. Is I definitely lead, don't. Is the lead singer of the band One Republic. What if pop music had a cello in it? <laughs> Ryan Tedder asked. He has also written and produced for artists including U2, Beyonce, Leona Lewis, Miley Cyrus, Ed Sheeran, the Jonas Brothers. Shout out. Jennifer Lopez, Camila Cabello, Lady Gaga, One Direction. Shout out. Paul McCartney, <laughs> Blackpink, Lil Nas X, and a whole bunch more. He's worked with a lot of people. Yep, he's one of the guys, man. The powers behind the throne. Even if you're like, oh, I don't even listen to One Republic, you've definitely heard a Ryan Tedder song before, though. Yep, you have. He's everywhere. He, he's inescapable. Zan Canella is a songwriter and producer signed to Tedder's company, Patriot Games Publishing. Other artists he's worked with include Maroon 5, B.O.B., Gym Class Heroes, Gavin DeGraw, and Colby Calais. So he's Mr. Tedder's protege, one of them at least, and he got credited for helping produce this song. Chart info? The original did not chart, but the Tedder's version charted at number 36 on the World Hot 100 when TV was released. And the original was certified gold in USA and Australia. Whoop whoop. Mm-hmm. Now what is what has Taylor said about this song? Quote: I wrote "I Know Places" with Ryan Tedder, and it's the first song that I wrote with him. So I brought this idea in that I'd kind of done very roughly on piano, and sent him this voice memo of me singing the chorus and kind of babbling my way through the verse, and he liked it and wanted to work on it. It's a song about how other people will really ruin a relationship if they get a chance to, and how the best way to go about starting a relationship might be to keep it as secret as possible, just because it's very fragile. And I think this is a song that I wrote about sort of how covered it would have to be in order for me to make something work, essentially. Yep. She also said, I had this idea of like, you know, when you're in love, Along the lines of Out of the Woods, it's very precious. It's fragile. As soon as the world gets a hold of it, whether it's your friends or people around town hear about it, it's kind of like the first thing people want to do when they hear that people are in love is just kind of try to ruin it. I kind of was in a place where I was like, no one is going to sign up for this. There are just too many cameras pointed at me. There are too many ridiculous elaborations on my life. It's just not ever going to work. But I decided to write a love song just kind of like, what would I say if I met someone really awesome? And they were like, hey, I'm worried about all this attention you get. So I wrote this song called I Know Places about like, hey, I know places we can hide. We could outrun them. I'm so happy. It sounds like the urgency that it sings about. Taylor, you need to stop talking at some point. <laughs> my God. I was going to say, when I got done reading my portion of it, I was like, oh my god, why did anyone not say, Taylor, formulate what you're going to say and then say it. You were rambling. <laughs> yep. Take a second and think about it and then, and then yeah. answer the question. What about the critical reception for this song? Did the critics enjoy it? AV Club called it mediocre filler. Guardian said that it shows the kind of doomed romantic fatalism in which 60s girl groups dealt. Okay. <laughs> Those are certainly some words. Spin said, lacks urgency. Hardly her most visceral subject matter. Tyler's Tea Time called it not a favorite. 
Seattle Times called it boring but catchy as heck. <laughs> Cosmo said it brilliantly mixes angry, sexy Taylor on the verses with anthemic, arena-filling Taylor on the chorus. Critic of Music said falls into the Max Martin choruses that have now become a realm of no escape for the album. D-plus. Ironically, this wasn't even a Max Martin hey. writ, writ, write or co-write. Or yeah, he's not on this song. He's not on this song. Yep. And Pop Spoken said, not my favorite, nothing special. <laughs> Seems like Critic of Music needs to do more research before they start talking. So, yeah, one of the more negative critical receptions we've seen thus far. What about the fans, though? Do they like it? Rob Sheffield. Boy, Rob. Ranked this song 109 out of 243 songs. He said, she goes all Kate Bush. Pursued across the moors by the hounds of love. This 1989 deep cut is underrated, but count on I Know Places to loom large in her canon over the years. Shout out, Rob. I love you so much. For this week. For, for now. When it, in <laughs> reference to this song. She reserves her right to hate him again. Yeah, don't hold me to it. R slash Taylor Swift is also relatively positive. They ranked it number eight. Out of 21 on 1989 TV Survivor. So, top half. Yeah, I feel like this is just proof that, like, sometimes the critics don't know what the hell they're talking about. Mm. And the fans really know their shit. Yeah, man. The critics just don't even get it, bro. Exactly. It's on a whole nother level. They're not picking up what she's putting down with this song. Mm. Controversial, yet so brave. <laughs> on to the lyrics. Verse number one. You stand with your hand on my waistline. It's a scene and we're out here in plain sight. I can hear them whisper as we pass by. It's a bad sign. Bad sign. Something happens when everybody finds out. See the vultures circling. Dark clouds. Love's a fragile little flame. It could burn out. It could burn out. Interesting thing in this verse, and the song as a whole, is how Taylor's views on paparazzi and relationships have changed over time. This younger Taylor is less confident and is worried that the media will destroy her relationship with their meds. In 2024, though, Taylor is older and wiser and more confident, and she uses the paparazzi for her benefit. It's much more open with her relationship with Travis, seemingly enjoying that aspect um, in a way that she couldn't with Mr. Joe Alwyn, or at least that is what people have interpreted. I also feel like 2024 Taylor has taken this song, the idea of this song, and multiplied it because like like she came out and said they've been to she and Travis have been together far longer than we were even aware of right so she did know places that she's even better at finding places and knowing places and knowing how to get around the people and the paparazzi they see her when she wants them to see her there you go mastermind exactly the hear them whisper as we pass by line is also interesting to me because as someone who could be anxious and paranoid, I'm often assumed people were talking or whispering or laughing about me when I'm out in the world and I go by them. But they almost certainly aren't because I'm nobody. And I'm not particularly interested to look at or not the elephant man. Nobody's, you know. Just kind of blend into the just crowd. Just a normal dude, yeah. yeah. So for Taylor, though, they definitely are looking at her mm -hmm. and talking about her and be like, oh my God, it's Taylor Swift. I don't know how you handle that just as a person. Like, I couldn't do it. No. I couldn't do it. I don't know how she does half of the things that she does. She's built different. She is. She's a whole other human type of human. Kimberly has subtly implied Taylor Swift is a reptilian. You heard it. 
<laughs> you know, I you know, I stand by it actually. <laughs> Pre-course number one, because they got the cages, they got the boxes and guns. They are the hunters, we are the foxes, and we run fox hunting. Very British, isn't it? Oh, it makes you wonder who this song in particular might be about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's from Britain. Oh. Interesting that Taylor uses cages and guns as metaphors. Fox hunts, to my understanding, and I looked it up to make sure that my understanding was correct, typically end with dogs killing the fox, not the hunters with boxes or guns. But Taylor is imagining a potentially different ending, not even necessarily being killed, but instead put in a cage and domesticated. But they have guns too, so maybe not. And I wonder which ending Taylor perceives as worse. Being killed or being caged, which would be worse to Taylor one has to wonder. You know, I hate to hate to come back to this um, again, but I just feel like I need to point out that like dogs and run don't rhyme. So guns and run makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about as far as I think Ryan Tedder put any sort of thought into it. Here's yeah, here's the thing. I don't think Ryan Tedder wrote the lyrics. I mean maybe not. But I feel like, you know, if she got real literal about it, he'd be like, okay, so so imagine, right? <laughs> Instead of killing the foxes with the guns, or with the guns, with the dogs, they use guns because guns and run, it, it works lyrically better. It's also just possible Taylor Swift doesn't know a lot about fox hunting. That is also true, but I like to think that Ryan Tedder is just a big old idiot. Well, anyway, on to the <laughs> chorus. Maybe I know places we won't be found, and they'll be chasing their tails trying to track us down. Because I know places we can hide. I know places I know places. Taylor has the ability to elude capture because she is clever. And also experienced with this kind of thing. That's right. She's been in it for a long time. And by 2024, even more experienced than she was in the year 2014. Indeed. Right? 2014? 2012. 2014. 2014. Mm-hmm. Losing my mind. Verse 2. Lights flash and we'll run for the fences. Let them stay what they want, we won't hear it, loose lips, sink ships, all the damn time, not this time. I think that's one of my favorite lyrics. Loose lips, sink ships, all the damn time. Yeah, it sounds good. Taylor hears it, man. She hears it. She internalizes it. She keeps it forever. (laughs) Just like me, for real. Mm. Yep. Despite her claim that she won't hear it, she lied. Loose lips sink ships is a reference to an American World War II campaign to make sure that people don't reveal anything to potential exercise. Taylor isn't going to let that shit happen to her, bro, because she, everybody on her team, keeping their mouth shut, keeping the secrets. Pre-course number two. Grab my hand, don't ever drop it, my love. They are the hunters, we are the foxes, and we run. Alternate first line, and spoiler alert, he dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> and the post-chorus, this song does not have a bridge. It's one of very few Taylor songs that does not have a bridge. Because the bridge connects two choruses together. And we will go first. But the post-chorus, they take their shots, but we're bulletproof. And you know, for me, it's always you. In the dead of night, your eyes so green. And I know for you, it's always me. Not technically a bridge, because there's not a chorus after it, but... Taylor uses it almost like one. Green eyes. Harry Styles famously has green eyes. Yes, he does. But Madeline Wood 
be upset if I did not mention that Carly Kloss also has green eyes. I am also not going to deny that Carly Kloss has green eyes. <laughs> that is undeniable. They exactly. both have green eyes. They both As have do green a eyes. lot of people, including me. Yeah. So maybe this song's about me. Oh my God, this song's about you? Maybe. Oh. The yep. British thing doesn't, doesn't this would work be then. Two songs about me after Carly Simon's You're So Vain. Haha. That's a joke that the Gen Z's aren't going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Some yeah. millennials won't get it either, but that's all right. Charlie, let us know if you uh, if you get that joke. No. Nope. Or reference, I guess. Let's get into our overall thoughts, shall we? Alrighty. Kimberly, you want to go first? You can. Okay. The stolen version of this song was Bomb, and Taylor's version is even better. So I guess Bomb.com. I'm a proud millennial. Make fun of me if you want to. <laughs> I really did just say Bomb.com in the year 2024. Yep. It's not the first time I've said it within this year, and this year's not. <laughs> it's barely started. Yeah, um, 12 days. Yeah. <laughs> 12 days. <laughs> uh, this song is one of my early favorites on 1989, and it has never lost its shine for me. I'm going to get a little bit into the Harry Carly debate about this song, but I think we're going to take a little dip down in the grotto so you can hear more about kind of the gayness of this song. <laughs> I see both sides of this debate. So some people are very strong in their opinion that the song is about Carly, uh, specifically the Carly relationship and them having to hide their relationship. I can fully understand how this song sounds gay to people. Absolutely see that. Whether or not it's specifically about Carly, hard to tell. However, during this time, she was publicly confirmed to be dating Harry Styles. And I have always been on the side that the song is about Harry. The only piece of evidence that leans more hairy than anyone else is that she wore a sweater with a fox on it on their first date that got cra- crashed by the paparazzi. But that's not a solid piece of evidence. <laughs> it is a thing that happened. But to say this whole song, you know, hinges on that one piece of evidence, my mind could be changed. So sure. this is about somebody else. But um, I do see the gayness of the song and how it can be interpreted as such. Mm-hmm. At the time that this album was released, I was such a Harry One Direction stan that I was very much on the side of, oh my God, she and Carly are just friends. Let it go. It's about Harry. Yep. But I was also in high school and had different opinions than I have today. <laughs> I have a less hard stance on this song. The hardest stance I have is that this song is a fucking bop and will never not be. Okay. So, I have a little bit of a different take on it, in that the original was probably my least favorite on the 1989, 1989 Deluxe. You really struggle with 1989. 1989. 1989. Discussion. I just don't understand. Like, of those three, I guess I would concede that Welcome to New York, to New York is not that great. But, like, Bad Blood and I Know Places at the bottom? Bad Blood is one of her dumbest lyrics ever, and we're going to get to it. Oh, my God. We're going to get to it. I can't. Okay. Moving on with your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, this is not the Bad Blood episode, so we're not going to talk about it. I do like the mix better on the TV. It just sounds... Crisper, more dynamic, less samey 
You know what I mean? But it's still one of the weaker tracks on 1989 and its version of me, which is a stupidly strong album across the board. So it's not so much a criticism of, I don't know, places, TV, as just something has to be on the lower end if you rank them. That's just Okay. All right, cool. But So my question to you, how does it compare to her other songs? Let me pick one. <laughs> Let me think of one. Okay. What about you really like? Do you really like Today is a Fairy Tale? Or Today Was a Fairy Tale? Or Jumped and Fall? Which is the one that you really like? Both. Okay. Well, then we're going to say Today Was a Fairy Tale. Mm-hmm. This song or Today Was a Fairy Tale? Today Was a Fairy Tale. Oh my God. Honestly, especially since the Taylor's version has come out, I struggle really hard to find a bad, find a song that I really don't like on 1989. I don't love You Are In Love, but, like, it's still good compared to other songs, some other songs. Now, granted, I picked one that I know you liked from another album, but, like, and I, I know that, like, I know places would probably rank higher than, like, say, change oh, <laughs> for <sure>. anyone. <laughs> yeah. But, here, like. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I when I listen to I Know Places, you know, I'm like, oh, cool. Good song. Solid song. But it does not ever get stuck in my head at all. I never feel that sort of I can't get out of my mind I sit there and sing must have been the way for the day was a fairy tale at my desk like all the time because it just is in there it's in there in my brain and when I'm not thinking about something I'm just you know it just comes out it comes out that's really funny that's funny because I I don't I like if today was a fairy tale starts playing I can sing every song every, every lyric and I love the song but like I hardly ever think about it. It's just a earworm, man. But this... I don't know. This one is not to me. I love this song. It's me where I live. I don't know. You know, the difference of opinion. Yeah. It's okay to have those. I I will say, like, and and I use this a lot in my thoughts and stuff with Taylor songs, but it just is the truth, and it's part of being a Swifty, because she's been around for so long, and I've been a Swifty for such a big portion of my life and a developmental portion of my life, that, like... This just, like, this whole album, but this song in particular, has some 2014 nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just remember where I was, what I was doing, who I was hanging out with, who I was dating, you know, like, all of that jazz. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't really have that with this song so much. Right. Except it's one of my least favorite. But with the album as a whole, certainly, I do feel that. Yeah. I think that's good for thoughts, don't yeah. you think? Yep. All right. Heyo. Pod Gremlin Baby here. This week on The Gay Grotto, we've got another queer anthem. I Know Places gets the gays going. We'll preface this grotto with the understanding that some queer folks choose to hide their relationships for safety, acceptance from family or the workplace, or for any other reason. What I Know Places is about hiding a relationship that one values so that it isn't ruined. The closeted gays flourish and feel seen in the lyrics. The queer reading of They've Got the Cages, They've Got the Boxes calls to society wanting everyone to label themselves and to fit into one box or another. For the gaylers out there that still exist after this week's, uh, past week's turmoil, the song was written during the early days of Taylor and Carly Claus's relationship, platonic that we know of, who's to say, uh, other than them. It was played for Carly before it was played for anyone else. Carly has green eyes, and a bunch of people think it was written about her. But who's to say? No matter Taylor's muse for the song, 
Queer listeners see their own personal muses in its themes. It gives upbeat, sly, queer joy. And it's what I love. I really enjoyed the song on the original 1989, but I liked the Taylor's version mix more. I think Jack did great things with it. I think Taylor did great things with it. It's denser. It's thicker. It's uh, it's good. It's got a beautiful soundscape. And I give it a total of 8 out of 10 on my rating. It's a bop. It falls on several playlists. Justy's a hater, and his opinions are mid. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Let's move on to our ratings so we can get out of here. For those of you who may not know, we rate every single song on a 1 to 10 scale. 1 is extremely bad, 10 is extremely good, and 5 is extremely mid. Kimberly, what do you rate? It's a 9, boy. Near perfect. I'm not going to claim it's perfect. It's not perfect, but near perfect. Fair enough. I'm going to take that 9, I'm going to flip it upside down. <laughs> and I'm going to make it a 6, because that's what it is to me. Together, we're going to give it a 69. Yeah. yeah. I need to get the soundboard and, like, the, the nice from yeah. from a jewel so that anytime we say the word sixty nine we can just have or it. any like sex joke yep. it's just like nice you know gotta get that going um, I know but yeah it's it's better than mid it's better than mid it's a good song but I just like I said it just doesn't stick in my brain for whatever yep. reason so six for me that's all right <laughs> if you would like to tell us what you rate I know places you can do that. There will be a poll in the episode episode description of this episode on Spotify. There will also be polls on our various social media platforms. We are on X and we are on Instagram. We are on Threads and we are on TikTok. We are on YouTube. All at CBLU underscore podcast. That's right. Follow us there. Vote in the polls. Yeah. Just type in cowboys like us and you'll find us wherever you're looking for us. Engage with the content. The content is there to be engaged with. Vote. Yep. In Europe and on social media. (laughs) Just vote, man. And in the United States when it's time to vote at the end of this year. Anywhere that you're able to vote. Is American Idol still a thing? I don't know. But so, keep voting. The Voice. I think you can vote. A bunch of y'all didn't vote. And that's why Taylor Hicks won American Idol that time. And I am not over it. I'm not over it. (laughs) Don't bring him into my personal life. (laughs) And I'm not over it. <laughs> yeah. Kimberly, what song are we going to talk about next time? Exile. That's right. Exile from Folklore featuring Bonnie Dea. First of two. We may or may not have a special guest joining us. That's right. Friend of the pod, Mary, is going to be here for her first guest spot. Her debut episode. I don't know if she knows this yet. I don't know if I've mentioned it. <laughs> but... We've decided. (laughs) She said she wanted to be on this one. So it's going to be cool. She said it one time and we've decided she's on it. Yeah. Yeah, we might have to get Madeline to pop in to... To daughter for voting wrong. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Express opinions. We'll see. We'll see what happens next week. But until then, thank you so much for listening. We will see you later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. See you by week. You might be gay, or is it gonna be gay? Pod Gremlin may be here. Thanks for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on all platforms at CBLU underscore podcast. You can find us on Instagram, X, the zombie Twitter, TikTok, and threads. We're now posting our episodes on YouTube. 
head over there and like and subscribe. All of these links can be found in our link tree in the episode description. Thanks for supporting the pod. Y'all come back now, you hear?